And the first thing we're going to focus on today, it is what is the role of a discipler particularly and practically in terms of modeling a possibility. Hello and welcome to another session of our teaching series, which we have titled A Band of Disciples. And the entire theme of this series is to help you and I to be better disciplers, to disciple others for Jesus, because that's ultimately His calling for all His followers. And we have uh, divided the, uh, the approach to three different categories, as you know, and we've been looking, focusing on the discipling calling. We have, uh, this is our seventh session in looking at the discipling calling. And in the uh, previous uh, sessions, we've been looking at the role of the discipler. And last session, we ended by saying, well, how can we practically live out that role, which we have described from the scripture, modeling a possibility, teaching a pattern, and engaging in authentic partnerships. So how could we practically live out the type of uh, discipling role that Paul lived out and urged uh, Timothy to live that role out in, in, in his uh, own ministry environments and to multiply that uh, in, re in reliable others who will do the same thing. So how can we live that out uh, practically? And the first thing we're going to focus on today it is what is the role of a discipler particularly and practically in terms of modeling a possibility. So how can we do that practically? That's what we're looking at today. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, I understand that as soon as we say modeling uh, a life to be lived, to live a life that is emulated, just like Paul says, imitate me like I imitate Christ. Or when we hear Paul instructing Timothy uh, to, uh, to be an example, we have some uh, apprehensions uh, about that, uh, maybe because uh, of our own self-doubt. But I am tipping that many of us have experienced uh, Christianity and church and discipling uh, with a different framework than what we currently proposing or have uh, you know, envisaged from the uh, scriptures that we highlighted to you in the past few sessions. Uh, we come with a, a, a very Western mindset where we want to teach people knowledge. We want to train them uh, for skills, and we hope that as we increase their knowledge, as we uh, coach them to be better at, at, at living a particular uh, type of um, you know, uh, activity or do a particular action or engage in particular behaviors, uh, you know, they will change their personhood from the inside. That's, that's our approach. And we say, okay, if, if discipling is about helping people with uh, theology, Theological knowledge, then we can give them resources, we can preach at them, we can help them, uh, you know, with 
podcasts, we can engage them in theological studies, and that makes sense. Uh, if we're going to help people with uh, skills, then we might um, you know, sh give them a manual of the different type of Christian skills and, and ministry uh, uh, activities that they can participate in. We can observe them. We can you know, help them with that type of stuff so that they can become a different type of person on the inside. But probably you and I know uh, that knowledge and skills don't change who we are. Because ultimately we say that we are an image that is not yet lived out. That image is the image of God. So we are creatures who are desiring to live out a future that is not yet. Uh, already we have the potentiality, we have the, capac uh, the capacities because of the indwelling Holy Spirit. But what we could become is like a possibility. It's like we can be like Jesus, but how does that actually take place? The number one thing that we all need to have the motivation to engage with relevant knowledge and relevant skills and behaviors is to actually accomplish or or, 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 or figure out what we want to be. Like what type of image is fueling our activities? What type of future we want to become? And that type of, uh, of change of, of our future self in our own mind, perceiving what God actually has for us, that doesn't happen by reading a book necessarily. That happens in a social context because we're social beings and we see ourselves in a, uh, in a meaningful way when we are around people. In fact, I read that uh, in our identity center, we have uh, you know, what we call mirror neurons, that we can't actually understand ourselves except in an eye of another. Uh, we see in the mirror of someone else who we really are. And, uh, and that's why we say in order to accept, adopt, embrace, and be passionate about an image of the future, the image of God that we could live out by the power of the Spirit of God, we need to see that embodied. And that's why Jesus came and modeled that lifestyle. And Paul says, imitate me like I imitate Christ. And he says to Timothy and also says to Titus, I want you to live, to set an example, to exemplify that lifestyle. And my hope, and I'm sure you get me by now, my hope is that we would revert our understanding from thinking discipling is help people with knowledge help, uh, skill them and coach them with skills and they will become a different type of people it's actually the absolute opposite when they see themselves and have the passion to become that type of person, a Jesus-like person in the world, they will begin to see, what do I do? You know, you know the famous uh, band that we used to have back in the day, you know, what would Jesus do? That comes next. I need to have the desire to be like Jesus, then to examine what Jesus would do in my uh, situation. And when I find myself not able to live that life, I then begin to learn about the knowledge that will become a, a helpful, practical um, uh, you know, approach to the way that I will live that lifestyle of Jesus and become a different type of person, a certain type of person on earth. And 
maybe in your own life, you have understood um, theoretically that it's knowing uh, leads to, to doing and leads to becoming, but maybe in your own experiences, you know it doesn't work that way. It actually works the opposite way. We know that intuitively, and if you're a musician or know a musician or know band members, you realize it's the same concept. They see an image of themselves that impacts the way they do and practice music and impacts the way they go to extreme length to learn uh, how to do it better right? So the image changes everything. Oh, I recall that happened in our worship team in our first church plant. We were a small uh, a church plant uh, that, that, you know, went out of a, of a big church and, um, and we launched our ministry and our worship services, but it was very lousy. You know, we were used to the great band and the music and everything, but we didn't even have enough uh, musicians to be on, on, on the stage to, to lead us in worship. In fact, I, I kid you not, we used to pay some non-Christians to come and learn the, the songs and play on our Sunday worship service. I know it's crazy and I'm not sure if it's, you know, uh, don't judge me about it. We, we just needed, uh, you know, the musicians to help us out. Uh, however, over time, our mother church, um, they, they, they found the resources to appoint a coordinator to help the church planters and to help us one day a week. And we found this amazing guy that we, we loved so deeply. It was like a a band consultant. He, uh, you know, would 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 uh, uh, print the notes, uh, the the musical notes for the band. He will, um, you know, uh, train them once a week. He will explain to them how we can uh, get better as a team and so on. He met with them on a Thursday evening in our church facility, but he wasn't there throughout the week with them, and certainly he wasn't engaged with them on Sunday except every now and again. So uh, he he basically. Um, you know, explain to them what would be an ideal worship team. But his greatest contribution to the team was that he found a friend of his who was a music teacher who lived nearby our church plant. And he came and, and you know, sussed us out and he liked the, the, the church. He connected with Susie, my wife and I, and the leadership, um, you know, uh, team. And he was the sweetest boy. I kid you not. His name was Gary. And I still remember him fondly with the highest praise and compliment. He was a, a gun of a human being. He was humble and he was musically talented. Like sometimes when he played his electrical guitar, I, I honestly wanted to put my hand up and say, hey team, could you please be quiet? Let's just listen to, to the music that he's playing. It was outstanding. And yes, I probably was biased because he wasn't just musically talented as a music teacher, but he was the most humble human being he came across. All of us were trying to convince him to be the, the worship uh, team leader, uh, but he just wouldn't take, wouldn't take that. He was just not willing at all to engage in an official leadership capacity. But eventually, uh, our band consultant uh, convinced him to be a band leader. And man, it was just awesome. Uh, you know, he, he exemplified what a, a God-loving, um, church-connected, musically talented, hardworking, humble, caring person looks like on the band. 
And it was just, I, I, Susie and I used to laugh all the time saying, can we clone Gary? <laughs> like, can, can we have more of this guy in our church, you know, all with different gifts, you know, maybe um, some of him as musers, some of him as leaders, some of him as, as you know, uh, connect group leaders, whatever it might be. Why? Because Gary was unique. He lived a certain type of life that impacted the band in different ways than what a consultant could do from far away, regardless of how brilliant that consultant was. And you could say that our band consultant, with his incredible talent and affiliation with with churches for a long time, he explained the ideal, what an ideal band looked like. But our band leader, our Gary, embodied the ideal himself. He lived it out. And that was an incredible blessing to the band members, to us as a church, and to Susie and I specifically, because he was such a godly, godly man who not just uh, excelled in his music, but, you know, connected the band in, 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 a, in a different way. It was like a glue of care and love. And I guess all of us want to be like little Gary in our discipling environment. We want to embody what it's like to live like Jesus. But inevitably, all of us come back with some fears. I understand, Peter, that you're saying we need to model. We need to be examples to the believer and we need to shine our lights and be stars in the darkness and all of that. But Peter, I I don't know that I'm willing. I have some fears about being a, a role model by being by modeling uh, the, the possibility to others. And we have three primarily in my own experience, three observations of people who fear uh, being examples to the believers. Number one, say, I'm not perfect. Like, isn't it, don't you have to be like really, really close to perfect? Like you got to be Mother Teresa before you actually become a role model. It's like a, a real crazy conception that we have, that we have to reach some spiritual heights in order to be um, to be examples. But, but we know that we're not invited to be perfect examples, we're invited to be authentic examples. You know, we're invited to show people what it's like to be in the flesh trying to live the life of Jesus on earth with our flaws and our failures and our incompetences because that's more encouraging than someone that you want to put in a museum that they make no mistakes. That's not helpful. (laughs) Like, how is that helpful? So number one, we fear that we're not perfect. Number two, we fear the personal cost. It's like, Peter, um, you, you know, I, I'm not personable enough. I, I, I don't like this uh, uh, being connected with people on a, on a, on a, uh, a real, um, you know, vulnerable way. I, I like to teach people. I like, you know, I'm, I'm reserved. I, I can teach them something from the Bible, but if I, we had to sit around and have a coffee and talk and all of that, that just seems, um, seems too warm and fuzzy. It's not for me. Uh, you, you know, I, I, I don't like that. Others of us fear being examples because we don't know practically what it means. Okay, let's be examples. Uh, what, what do you want me to do? Okay, you know, that sounds sounds good, but there is no uh, skills. We haven't seen it in others. Why? Because most of our Western Christianity is, uh, you know, orientated around uh, helping the greatest number of people, almost like a mass production in a factory uh, through rational 
rationalistic approaches or behavioristic approaches where we just tell people what to do or tell them how to know it. But we're not so familiar with the community environment that Jesus had had uh, uh, illustrated in his own discipling endeavors with uh, the disciples who were around him all the time and observed his life and his interactions and his motives. And that's exactly the same thing that we can learn from Paul and Timothy of how to be practically uh, uh, you know, embodying that possibility. Uh, we talked about Timothy before. Here I'm going to share with you a passage from the second uh, letter of Paul to Timothy. Uh, this is uh, potentially when Paul was in a prison in Rome. It's probably very, very close to the end of Paul's life. And it's very personable. And um, and in it, it's likely that Paul is inviting Timothy to come and be with him in prison so he can uh, share with him like his final strategic plan, if you like, and to hand in uh, some of the work that Paul envisaged to do. But now Timothy has to go on with it because Paul is probably nearing the end of his life and uh, he will be martyred soon. Uh, but also in it, he's instructing him to encourage the believers, to build the believers, to grow the believers in the faith. And uh, we reach to 2 Timothy chapter 3, where Paul has just spoke about the false teachers that are offering people a certain way of life. And uh, and Paul wants Timothy to offer another way of life. Obviously, Timothy was under the pump because Paul has been uh, in a uh, in a hammered in in prison so many times, and and some people has forsaken him, and some people are mocking him, and people actually it says in another epistle they were preaching. Uh, Christ for the sake of adding more difficulties and hardship to Paul. And here, um, you know, Timothy could be afflicted because of his affiliation with Paul and because of the opposition uh, against the, 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 the faith, the gospel, uh, the lifestyle that Paul promoted. And here um, uh, in the second half of chapter 3, Paul is uh, portraying himself uh, as somebody that uh, that Timothy could uh, live out that type of lifestyle to be that certain type of person that Paul has modeled for him. And let's see some practical ideas of how we could do the same thing and model to others around us a certain type of lifestyle. Not like the false teachers were offering, but like what Paul and Timothy were offering. And Paul says this to Timothy, You, however, not all about my teaching as compared to the other teaching of the false teachers. My way of life or my manner of life or how I lived my life. My purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra, the persecution I endured. Yet, Timothy, the Lord rescued me from it all. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And I want to bring your attention to 
uh, some practical things that we can learn uh, from Paul and his relationship and his modeling of a particular lifestyle to Timothy. Uh, you know, uh, because the reality, Paul wanted Timothy to continue that lifestyle. He, he says, but as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned. And have become convinced of why? Because you know those from whom you learned it. Uh, Timothy, you didn't just learn it from the scripture, which he mentions that he learned it from the scripture, but you also learned it from observing my life. In fact, uh, uh, know my life is another uh, verb where um, the, the, the exact translation will be closely followed my life, like traced my life. You have a clear understanding of my pattern of living. And, and he's not saying... Uh, you know, I'm a model so that you can brag about me or feel like I'm I'm not the type of person that the uh, you know others are 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 saying bad things about me as if I'm a criminal of some sort. Uh, I'm not trying to defend myself, Timothy. The only reason uh, I'm telling you uh, this stuff about me and living that type of life before you is because I want you to live the same lifestyle. Isn't that incredible? So uh, how do we model the possibility Paul's way? I want to share very, very briefly three practical ideas. Number one, we illustrate that possibility. Number two, we share that possibility. Number three, we declare that possibility in others. Illustrate. It requires proximity so that we can illustrate the type of life that Jesus would have lived if he was in our circumstances you know, the type of traits and activities that now the Holy Spirit enacts in us because we're united with Christ in our very being. It requires proximity. If you're going to be a discipler, you need to have proximity with the people you're discipling. You can't just say, you know, I'm going to share with them my notes. I'm going to send them a copy of a book that I read. I'm going to share with them a podcast that was helpful. You need to illustrate for them in body and, uh, and blood, in, 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 a, in a fleshly way, what it's like to live that lifestyle. He says, you know my way way of life. How did he know his way of life? How did he know his trust and reliance on God? How did he know Paul's patience? He didn't read a book about it. How did he know Paul's love, even love to those people that were opposing him? How did he know Paul's endurance in spite of the circumstances and the opposition? How did he know all of that? He knew it because he was around Paul. He was a travel companion with Paul. He was embraced as a son, a genuine son of Paul. He was around him. He watched his life closely. And this is something that we sometimes underestimate the power of being in proximity with the people that God entrusted us to disciple. The second thing um, uh, that, that uh, we learn is to share. Uh, to share with other people our lives, to be transparent with them, to make explicit what they see in us implicitly. So, for example, uh, Paul says, you know, my teaching, my way of life and my purpose. My purpose? How did he find out Paul's purpose? He didn't find out Paul's purpose merely uh, by observing because you would be assuming a lot. 
Uh, purpose means the aim, the reason, the underlying motivation, the underlying, uh, you know, d- desire that is motivating Paul's uh, activity. How did he know that? Uh, he, Paul had to share it with Timothy transparently. He had to tell him, you know, I'm doing this because of that. This is the goal that I'm reaching for. Uh, this is the desire. Like he says in Philippians chapter 3, this is the goal I'm striving for. And I forget all that I've done in the past. And I press on towards the goal. You see, he saw the purposes in Paul's life and Paul's ministry because Paul shared it with him. And if we're going to disciple others, you need to be transparent and open. I find it so hard to believe that some believers and disciples are closed book and they say we're private. Well, get over it. Because if you're private, you can't possibly possibly help other people to hear what's happening on the inside of you. Look at what Paul says. You know, he says to Timothy, you knew what kind of things happened to me. What kind of things happened to me? How did Timothy know what kind of things happened to Paul? Look at what he says. In Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. Just a little history lesson. Paul was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, I think around Acts 14. So much, uh, several chapters before he met with Timothy and Timothy uh, became his travel companion. Maybe in Lystra, which is the hometown of Timothy, that Timothy knew about, maybe observed uh, Paul being persecuted there. But most commentators tell us that that happened before Timothy actually became acquainted with Paul. And that's why he says, you know, that means you traced uh, really uh, diligently things about me. Maybe he heard it from other people. Maybe he even heard it from Paul just before he went out with him on a missionary trip. Maybe Paul told him, listen, if you're going to embark on this journey with us, don't be like John Mark who left us. Just be aware from the start that in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, we encountered all this hardship. We experienced such suffering and persecution. And he shared his heart with Timothy. He said, you know, we were, we were suppressed. We almost got depressed. We were pressed on every side. We were under a lot of difficulties. Timothy, are you still willing to come with us? He shared his heart, his agony, his, his, his difficulty with Timothy. And if you're going to be a discipler, please don't tell me I'm a private person. God, by His power, can enable you to be open can enable you to forget about your reputation, to forget about your image manipulation and to live authentically because that's what the people you disciple need. The third one is declare to them prophetically their possibility. Not just live it out before them, not just share with them what's going on on the inside, make it explicit, uh, you know, clarify your motivations that, that, that explain your behaviors and the way you're doing things and thinking about things, but declare the possibility prophetically. You see, um, uh, Paul, the intention behind this passage is to tell Timothy, you are capable of living my lifestyle. He says, as for you, continue in what you have learned 
and 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 he finished off that that statement by saying, uh, you know, how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise. I trust you, Timothy. I can see the future, and I can see you a wise disciple. In fact, in Second Timothy two, he says to him, "Be a soldier, Timothy. I can trust you that you are a soldier that can can endure hardship, Timothy. I believe in you, like you're an athlete that's gonna finish the race." You know, Timothy, I can see you like a farmer that is going to reap the fruit one day. Timothy, I can see you as a champion. Timothy, I believe in you. Timothy, I can see what's on the inside of you because I can see what's on the inside of me because Jesus deposited in you what He deposited in me. Timothy, you are capable of living like Jesus on earth. Timothy, you are capable to endure hardship. Timothy, you are capable to refute false teachers. Timothy, you are capable to live like a man of God equipped for every good deed. Timothy, I believe prophetically that you're going to be an awesome man of God that will succeed this ministry and pioneer the work that God has for you. Timothy, I declare you're a Jesus-like person. I can see it before you can see it. How beautiful is that? How do you model the possibility to others the way Paul did it, illustrate it in the way you live it. Then share it and explain your motivation, your thinking behind what you're doing. Your flows, your failures, your success, your wins, your, your struggles, the whole lot. Your purpose, your motivation, your story, your experiences. Share lavishly. And then declare their possibility. It's not about you bragging. It's about you believing in what God can see in them and say, I can see you being a Jesus-like person. That's like you to live like that. And pick them Pick on them when they are investing the effort, their progress. Don't wait until they produce the results. Say, I can see that Jesus in you. I can see that humility in you. I can see that wisdom in you. I can see it flourishing. Be the mirror that shows them by the way you treat them, by the way you believe in them, by the way you accept them, that Jesus has deposited something awesome on the inside of them. The world is telling them they are nothing, but you can tell them with the authority and the voice of God that they are everything in Jesus. They have everything that pertains to life and godliness. May the Lord anoint you as you live a life that honors Him and exemplify for others how to live that life. May they have the desire to pursue that lifestyle and become a certain type of people in the world, Jesus-like people. And may they thank you that you inspired them and encouraged them along the way by the way you live your life. Thank you so much for being with us. We pray for you and can't wait to have you with us in our next session. Thanks for watching.